When Denver Broncos training camp starts up in July, who are three players on the defensive side of the ball that we would like to see break out or further solidify themselves going forward? You're going to get that and much more on today's brand new episode of Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. And a special shout out to all the everyday listeners out there as well. Make sure you subscribe or you follow this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you're never in the dark about what's actually going on with the Denver Broncos. Fresh daily conversation Every single day, all year long, because for the true fan, there is never an offseason. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. And if you're an everyday listener, yesterday's episode of the show, if you missed out on it, we talked about three players on the offensive side of the ball that we would like to see break out during training camp to maybe answer some questions about some positional depth or maybe just some status on the roster in general. We carry that conversation over here to today's episode. Refocus on the defense. And Sarah, looking at one specific position here for the Broncos, I think it was probably easy to come up with this one player as the one we want to see really just break out and have a big-time training camp, and that is Nick Benito as he prepares for his second season in the National Football League after being drafted late second round last year and not seeing much action on the defensive side of the ball as a rookie. Yeah, the top pick in the Denver Broncos 2022 NFL draft. Obviously, there's going to be some expectations heaped upon a guy like Nick Benito, even though, like you mentioned, is late second round, right? It was the last pick of round two, the, the top pick coming back to the Broncos in that Von Miller trade, right? So obviously, there's a lot going on there. There's there's the, well, this was part of the Von Miller trade, and this is a second round pick, and this was the top pick of your draft. So Nick Benito has more expectations on him, I feel, than your typical 64th overall pick, right? There's there's a lot going on kind of with what it took to get him in Denver. And of course, I think a lot of Broncos fans, Cody, last year leading up to the draft, I remember uh, most people wanted Nick Benito to be the pick at 64. So it was almost like a fan selection, like they, they took a poll and said, hey, who do you want us to draft? And the Broncos went and did that. So Nick Benito rightfully has a lot of expectations. I think being one of the top pass rushers in the Big 12, really being very productive there for the Oklahoma Sooners, proving that he can create pressure off the edge with a ridiculous 10-yard split. He's obviously a guy that, you know, he he finishes plays, right? He he proved that at Oklahoma, that he can finish behind the line of scrimmage. We saw glimpses of that in his rookie season, but now going into year two, can he elevate himself into being in that rotation, right? It can't just be, oh, if somebody gets hurt, we'll we'll play you. The worst case scenario for Nick Benito, Cody, is a game day inactive, right? That would be absolutely nightmare fuel. So what does he have to do at training camp to actually get into the rotation? That's going to be fascinating to see. Well, you mentioned it as well. You know, you don't want it to be based on injury. Okay, you're up. Well, that happened last year, and he really honestly didn't play much despite some of the injuries at the position. I mean, we're talking about times where Denver lost Randy Gregory after week four. You know, he traded away Bradley Chubb. And even Baron Browning, shortly after the Bradley Chubb trade, he got injured. And he was, Nick Benito was not the Broncos' first option that they went to here. So you look at the edge rusher room right now, right? It features Randy Gregory, 
Baron Browning's obviously injured right now, partially torn meniscus. We'll start the season in the PUP list. Jonathan Cooper, Agent Zero, has really emerged so far. You'd sign Frank Clark, who Sean Payton says is an outside linebacker. The official roster says he's a defensive end. We don't know where the hell he's going to play, but he's factoring into play a role at that position. Aaron Patrick is back. You have two undrafted guys, Marcus Haynes and Thomas Incombe, who have looked impressive during OTAs. We'll have to show us more in the preseason altogether. But you look at that, and then you have Benito. But outside of that, Sarah, here's, I, I think, where the optics are on Benito. I, I think that his time at Oklahoma, like playing in the Big 12, I think he was able to, to shine and to excel. But transitioning from the role that he was playing in that defense where he was playing some edge rusher and then playing inside backer, and there's kind of being like a positionless player at Oklahoma at times, I think it actually hurt him coming into the NFL a little bit because the NFL is much more complex. So like you have to be more disciplined in certain areas. And there were times where he was able to get away with some undisciplined nature of his play at Oklahoma. He's a, he's got a high motor. As you mentioned, he's got all the traits. He's got all the tools to be there, but can you piece it all together? Can you do it quickly? Because as of right now, at least on paper, from my observation, Sarah, it looks like Jonathan Cooper has really solidified himself as their top option. If we're going to say a 12th man, essentially, if we're going to use like the, the six-man analogy from baseball would apply it to football. I mean, basketball, apply it to the NFL here. He is the 12th man. And hey, look, if Baron Brown is not ready for the season, is he going to start? Jonathan Cooper is important to the plans. We have not heard much yet about Nick Benito from Sean Payton. So I'll be very curious to see where things open up for him. But this is a big camp here for Nick Benito. And it's not necessarily about how you start. It's about how you finish. And look, for Benito, I think coming in and then really ingraining himself in I need to be, okay, I'm staying strictly at edge. I'm not going to play some inside back. I'm not going to play off ball in any way, shape, or form. You have What's the biggest knack that people have on Benito? And I think a lot of it was run, ed, edge discipline against the run there. He's just got to get stronger there, but he's fast enough where he can make an athletic move, get outside, keep his outside hand free, squeeze it down, and then you, know, you have a rally. And then if it extends wide, you just take the hip to the sideline. But you know, for, for Benito, it's not a lack of talent. I think it's just development he's not maybe where he needs to be just yet and that's not a bad thing and I always want to encourage people hey just because you have high expectations for a second round guy doesn't necessarily mean they have to come and play like a second round pick all the time I think everybody's sample size and the way that they learn the way that they play and progress in the NFL it is so different I think you have certain guys who have higher expectations on them based on position but how come when we how can we all get surprised when we see an undrafted guy or a late round pick ball out right it has nothing to do with where they were taken it's just Maybe they're in a different place from a physical or athletic standpoint, or maybe even cognitive, understanding the scheme, understanding the defense, and then carrying it over to where it gives them an advantage. Not saying Benito's being negatively impacted by any of those, but I think that our metric in terms of how we evaluate players, just as analysts, and I even think fans also get caught up in this as well, the hype of where a guy goes. Maybe Benito, maybe the vision for Sean Payton is not, maybe not ne this year necessarily. Maybe there is a plan next year, or maybe there is a plan this year. We just don't know it yet. We're going to have to wait and see a training camp to find out. And they've certainly done their part to kind of help progress him forward, I guess, is the way I want to put that right. You bring in Jamar Kane as the pass rush specialist, that coach on the defensive side who has worked with Benito directly in the past at Oklahoma was his position coach there. And so you bring him in. You've got Michael Wilhoit coaching the outside linebackers, Cody, and then obviously Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator. Now, here's what I would be very interested in if I were Nick Benito. Vance Joseph has worked with Hassan Reddick. He's worked with Von Miller. He's worked with a number of other guys. 
Those are guys that coming out of college, remember a, a lot of Cody, I, this was when I started covering the Broncos. A lot of Broncos fans were upset by the Von Miller pick because, well, he's too small to play outside linebacker in a three, four defense. You know, he's too small to play the edge in the NFL. Same things were said about Hassan Reddick coming out of temple and Nick Benito, quite frankly, that was the knock on him coming out as well. Can he hold up off the edge? And those questions kind of lingered into his rookie season, didn't they? Because we kind of saw the, the fruit of that. Those are the, the unfortunate fruit of those, those talks. So hopefully Vance Joseph is able to say, Hey, here's what worked with Vaughn. Here's what worked with Hassan Reddick. And of course those guys are high first round picks, right? Those guys have an, another level that they can get to talent wise, but Nick Benito, there's no reason why, Hey, you got a very similar 10 yard split, 40 yard dash. You've got the physical metrics. You've got all these different things. It's time to start putting that all together Here's what we did with these guys. And so I think that's what that's something that Vance Joseph can really bring to the table because Hassan Reddick had a lot of success in his defense rushing the passer. And, and I know there were rumors about, well, did Vance use him right and things like that he had a lot of sacks. I know that for sure. So if Nick Benito can get a lot of sacks, that's what he was drafted to do. And that's where I think the Broncos need to find a way to maximize that athletic talent. 100%. It's about putting your players in a position to succeed. Nick Benito has all the athletic traits, the the talent to make this possible. Will it carry over in a training camp? Will it carry over into the NFL preseason? That's the question that we have here on today's episode. Lock on Broncos. Our conversation continues when we take a look at defensive players who we want to see break out at Broncos camp in July. We're going to take a look at somebody in the secondary. You'll get that on today's episode. Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. And baseball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers, they get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash on to join today. If you don't like betting on baseball and you love football like myself, well, guess what? They have NFL futures for you, team-specific player specific and even broken down by wins, losses, your projections, things like that. But one thing I found interesting over there at FanDuel Sportsbook was the Broncos odds in terms of winning the AFC. As it stands right now here today, the Broncos have the 12th best odds in the AFC at plus 3000 to win the entire conference in general there. There's some tough challenges ahead. The Cleveland Browns are ahead of them. The Los Angeles Chargers are ahead of them. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, you know, if you do, go to FanDuel Sportsbook today to check out all the action. Don't miss out on your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Well, very rare for a fourth round pick coming into his second season to have such high expectations. But Cody, I think that's exactly where we find Denver Broncos cornerback Damari Mathis heading into his second year with the team. Obviously, things got off to a bit of a rocky start when he got his most extensive action as a rookie in 2022 for pass interference penalties called against him on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Chargers. But heading into his second season, there's some competition. And this is where the training camp kind of you need to stand out uh, mentality really comes into play, right? Because you drafted and traded up for Riley Moss out of Iowa in the third round of this year's draft. You've got guys like Jaquan McMillan coming up through the ranks and really providing some competition there. You got free agent acquisition, Tremont Smith, who can play some corner. Damari Mathis, though, at training camp this year, when the pads come on and he's going up against this gauntlet of receivers that the Broncos have, what does he have to do to, to show like, man, I am 
the cornerback too. Like there's no question about it. You can you don't have to put it in pencil. You don't have to put it in dry erase marker. You can sharpie me in as cornerback two of this team going forward. What does he got to do to kind of achieve that level of, of, I guess, depth chart comfortability? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. You know, for me, I don't necessarily look at it for Damari Mathis as he needs to break out. I thought he broke out last training camp, but more so, as you mentioned, maintain your status and showcase why you are truly cornerback number two here. And and look for him, the expectations, I don't think, as you and I have talked about here on the show, Denver drafted him in the fourth round because they're like, hey, we, we like what this guy can maybe become for us. And I don't think any of us expected he was going to be thrust into such a pivotal role so quickly after Ronald Darby's injury. But for the fact that he was thrown in like that, I think coming from an NFL style of defense there at Pitt, I think it prepared him. And, and you know, he had a really good mentality about him as well. He's very sharp into film study. And look, I, I think one thing that, Hasn't been talked about enough. Look, Damari is a very, very smart cornerback. He's physical. He's tough. But on top of that, he's also carrying over and learning how to prepare at the NFL level, I think, even more effectively than he did at college, which, you know, you, you talk to people at Pitt, some of his former coaches are like, this is a guy who you could tell was going to be in the NFL because this guy studied, lived, and breathed football. I mean, that exact thing can be spoken here. But now he and Patrick Sertan are really kind of headlined as these two top guys here. And George Payton, dating back to the NFL scout and combine, when asked about the cornerback class this year, said, hey, we viewed Damari Mathis as a starter in this league. And now Damari in this position now has to go out there and maintain that, right? I thought he had a terrific season last year, stepping in some areas you want to see him grow in year two. But for the most part, fourth round pick, thrust into the action very early on in the season, going back to week two and Sertan had the shoulder injury against the Houston Texans. And he held his own against Brandon Cooks. I thought to myself, like, okay, hey, this guy can ball. And you know me, Sarah, I'm a DB guy. I, I study that. That's when I do my film breakdowns. I'm always watching DB play, and I'm watching defensive play. Damari stood out to me. Now, the one area I think that you mentioned, you, you drafted Riley Moss, the organization did. They, you know, Jaquan McMillan as well was chopping at the bit to go out there and, and go and make plays. And certainly he, he was able to do just that. You're going to have some competition, right? So how do you respond to that? You know, I, I think so many times, right, when fans are in attendance at training camp, I think when people are watching maybe some of the scrimmage stuff that happens there, the grading curve for a lot of fans, and I think some media as well, was like, oh, well, this guy had an interception, this guy didn't. I don't. That's where we get lost in our evaluation, right? If Jaquan McMillan or Riley Moss come up with an interception, that's awesome. That's fantastic. You'd love to see that. But if Damari Mathis doesn't get an interception during practice, it doesn't mean that he's behind or he's losing or anything like that. Is he allowing catch? You know, for me, I look at it, alignment, assignment, execution, and these are things that I'm going to watch specifically here for him. I think he's got all the tools to maintain cornerback two status. But to be honest with you, sir, I really see it as Sertan. I see it as Damari Mathis. And then I think behind them, I do think it is Jaquan and it is Riley Moss at that point. I think those are your top four corners right now on your roster. And I just don't see Tremont Smith right now being a guy who's going to be really involved in the rotation at the outside cornerback spot there. And then you have K1 obviously inside the nickel. The nickel is a little bit different in terms of what we're talking about. Maybe Damari can play a little bit of nickel this year. I, I mean, I don't know what the Broncos' plans are specifically, but I think if you can move certain guys around to get your best players on the field, I mean, it makes sense. And I think Damari can be one of the top players the Broncos have on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's what this training camp, this offseason is going to be all about for him, right? It's like, okay, a lot of Broncos fans, not all of them, because some Broncos fans still are being educated on who Damari Mathis is. And that's part of why we're talking about him here because he doesn't get a ton of publicity, right? He's not being talked about by 
pro football focus as one of the top breakout candidates of this season. But really, in reality, it's because he had such a good rookie season. He doesn't really necessarily need to be considered a breakout player in terms of his on-field production. But I think in terms of recognition, there is there is something to be said for that. Yes, the Broncos are a bad team. They're not going to be recognized very much for being a bad team. I get it. And individual players suffer because of that. But for Damari Mathis, I think this offseason is going to be about kind of really building that hype train. We see it with Greg Dulcich a little bit, right? Sean Payton says some nice things about Greg Dulcich. All of a sudden, you see certain people who are fantasy football experts running with that. And you see then <laughs> national media people running. So it's like now the Greg Dulcich hype train is gaining national recognition. It's going to just take, I think, a couple days into training camp of Damari Mathis making some big plays, Cody, to where, okay, now all the people like you and others covering the beat are talking about Damari Mathis as a breakout player. Some national person's going to catch wind of it. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be, hey, the Broncos not only have Pat Sertan, who's probably the best corner in the NFL, but they've got this other guy now who has a freakish 43-inch vertical jump and runs a sub 4-4 in the 40-yard dash. Like, this guy is good, and he can play. I think the breakout aspect of what we're talking about here has less to do, like you said, He's not a, he's not going to be a breakout player on the Broncos. His rookie year was the breakout year. Year two is about breaking out as a recognizable name around league circles. And I think he's going to do that. 100%. That's a great way to put it, too, because as you mentioned, right, how crazy is it sometimes that, you know, a lot of the national media that never come to any training camp, never come to any practice, never actually go to the games in person. They say all these things about these players, but they're not watching them up close. And, you know, to me, I always think it's crazy how, their narrative changes because remember last year with Patrick Sertan, we're watching him just dominate and pro football focus, which, you know, I'll share my thoughts on that as on another episode. They were yes. saying that he was one of the worst graded corners in the NFL at some point. But it's like when you watch the tape and you're seeing their grade, it's like it's not equating. And then they got blasted so much by the fan base. They actually changed Sertan's grades mm-hmm. to be better. That. But that's the thing about grading. And, and that's why I'll never invest in, in, in grades from any outlet outside of a coach as as gospel because the coaches know what they're looking for they know the assignment they know exactly what a player did right did wrong people watching the outside we can we can speculate the best we can but that's why people got to stop investing in grades as gospel here if i ha- if i have to leave you with today's episode with one important message is please don't hold on to it as if it is the end all be all everything grading is subjective entirely and the full context the full bigger picture about a player's responsibility is often misunderstood and not known by the people watching including myself I watch film, but I'm never going to assume that I'm going to grade and say, okay, this player did this right, did this wrong. I don't know the play call. I don't know what they're doing. I can only make assumptions based on what I'm seeing and based on what other players are doing. That's how we do it in terms of film, but never make things subjective here. You'll never get that here at the Locked On Broncos podcast. Let us know your thoughts on Damari Mathis. What would you like to see from him as he prepares for his second season in the National Football League? If you're watching on YouTube, comment it down below. If you're watching or listening, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you tweet us on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. But Broncos country, we continue our conversation with a player, another second-year player that is on the Broncos defensive line that we want to see break out during training camp. We'll tell you who it is and why. You'll get that on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. Make sure you head out and check out the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network on the NBA channel here, as it is championship Month. As long as the Denver Nuggets are celebrating right now, Locked On Nuggets is celebrating too, and it can bring you closer to the action with Adam Adas and Matt Moore. They bring you all the pick and roll action here for your Denver Nuggets. See 2023 NBA champions. Make sure you go check them out. Subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcast, or you can watch it on YouTube as well.
When we take a look at second-year players that the Broncos have right now on this roster, who is someone on the defensive side of the ball we would like to see break out at training camp? Well, Broncos country, we're going to dive deeper into that on today's episode of the show. But real quick, I want to take some time to say thank you so much for tuning in, making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. Both Sarah and myself, we appreciate you. And those of you that you've referred your friends and family to this podcast, thank you so much for making us part of your daily routine where you get up-to-date, objective coverage of all things orange and blue. Lockdown Broncos, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Sarah, let's talk about Inoma Uwazurike here for a minute. I think this is a great name that you chose in terms of our show discussion here today about players that maybe need to break out during training camp. And I, I think for Uwazurike, it, it is a huge thing, right? Because going back to what I said early on about your draft status in this episode, not necessarily where you get drafted. It's about what you can do. And right, Inoma Uwazurike was drafted earlier than Matt Henningsen was, but yet Matt Henningsen played a little bit more of a pivotal role for the Broncos and was active on more game days than Inyoma Uwazarike was last season. And part of me is wondering, you know, what was the reason for that? And I also think patience is probably the one word that is thrown out there because Marcus Dixon was the defensive line coach. He's working with these guys. He's back this year. Toward the end of last year, we saw Inyoma play a little bit more of a pivotal role and start to get his name, you know, kind of thrown out there a little bit on the defensive line, get in the rotation. So now, entering his second season in the NFL, what would you like to see him do at training camp to really break out? Because right now, I still think there's some questions at the Broncos' defensive line position with Frank Clark's arrival and per- presumably playing outside linebacker. Is he going to de-end or is he outside linebacker? We don't know. If he's de-end, okay, the question is answered there. And then it poses a whole different question for Inyomo Uwazariki. But if he is truly outside linebacker, what does this mean now for Inyomo Uwazariki with that de-end spot? Kind of being open right now for the taking. I kind of think it means he's got to do everything in his power to make sure that spot is his, right? It's it's such an interesting discussion between, you know, the difference of Damari Mathis going into year two as a fourth rounder and Iyoma Uwazurike going into year two as a former fourth rounder. And remember, there's a little factoid if this ever comes up on Jeopardy or who wants to be a millionaire for you. Ioma was part of the Russell Wilson trade, right? He's the, one of the picks coming back to Denver. Actually, the only pick coming back to Denver, I believe in that trade, at least in the 2022 draft. So uh, don't go quote me on that being the only pick coming back, but one of the only picks coming back. So part of the Russell Wilson trade, nobody really talks much about that. And that's because it, it wasn't really like, you know, a high draft pick or anything, but it was that little insurance that George Payton required back. And Yoma was a guy that some people thought maybe could be a third round pick, maybe had the ability to to crack that top 100. And he almost did, right? It was just a handful of picks outside of the top 100 there. But he's got that size and length at the defensive end position that's like, it, remember back in like 2009, Cody, or 2010, when Josh McDaniels came to Denver, which was a sad time in Broncos history, of course. But at that time, it, the team was transitioning from 4-3 defense to 3-4 defense. And everybody's looking for, okay, what's the prototype like 3-4 defensive end look like? And it was a guy that probably looks a lot like Yoma Uwazurike, right? 6'6", 310 pounds, kind of the quintessential like five technique shape and body type, like the the Richard Seymour ideal, I suppose you could call it. And he he looks the part. He definitely looks the part. And we saw him utilize that length to his advantage last year, batting down a pass. I think he even got involved in, in blocking a kick against the Chiefs, if I remember correctly, Cody. So he certainly is a guy that, has the physical traits and he had the production in college. Now it's like, how can you blend that all together? Right? Because it having the physical traits is one thing. Having the size is, is one thing, but 
being able to put that to good use on an every down basis. That's why we saw Matt Henningsen play more last year, Cody, is because he can contribute every down and he can do all these different things. And we saw him get on the field week one as a sixth round pick. Uazurike's development was a little more slow going, but hopefully you guys get a chance to talk to Marcus Dixon maybe as the offseason progresses and you can kind of ask him where Ioma's development is at because he could be a starter, a long-term fixture for this team at defensive end. Well, I think when we look at that position right now, Zach Allen obviously is the, the only penciled-in starter at defensive end right now for the team, and rightfully so. He's earned it. But you look at the depth right now. You have Inyoma. You have Matt Henningsen. You also have Elijah Garcia. You have Jordan Jackson. You also have P.J. Mustafer as well, an undrafted rookie for agent who got a pretty significant signing bonus with the team. And so for Inyoma, this I think from the outside looking in for so many of us, I think if you understand the psychology of it, how does he respond to maybe knowing that, okay, hey, they've added these guys at this position. It's going to push me to compete. Like, how do you respond to that? Does it elevate your performance or does it cause you performance anxiety or performance fatigue? I mean, these are things I'm looking forward to maybe, you know, seeing answered here during the preseason. Inyoma has the talent. He is very, very strong. And he also has deceptive athleticism for his size and his stature. But how can that benefit the Broncos, right? I think that's what we need to see. And I, I'll tell you this. I think the coaching staff has done a tremendous job throughout mandatory minicamp, organized team activities of getting these players reps. And it doesn't matter if they're in, you know, the, you could switch the rotation on the defensive line and still have Alex Singleton, Josie Jewell out there. You're starting secondary normally. We saw them get creative with just the rotations just so they could get guys reps. And, you know, for me, you can't evaluate too much about the, the trench warfare, as we like to call it here on the show, about organized team activities, about mandatory minicamp. But the next evaluation, when we see these guys on the field, Sarah, the pads will come on. I think several days after they report for training camp, the pads will will come on. Contact will start to be engaged a little bit. There will be physicality. That, to me, I think is going to be what separates you know the people that we're looking forward to seeing, like everybody from Wazarike, Henningsen, Jordan Jackson, Mustafer, and other guys at that position. We're going to find out who is ready to take that step and, and to contribute and to play a, a pivotal role, whether it's starting at opposite of Zach Allen or whether it's being a key rotational piece. We're going to have that answer. And, and look, while Marcus Dixon is the constant, he's back. He wants the team to continue to maintain their high level of play as well. I mean, you lose Draymond, you lose uh, on top of that Deshaun Williams. Who's going to replace Deshaun Williams here in this situation? To me, I find that very interesting. And Inyomo Wazariki, I think we would all like to see take that step here during Broncos camp. Yep, and he's got to just prove you can hold up against the run. You got you're going to have some physical offensive lineman coming up against you now in practice so it's it's not to say that it's a you know just going to be a completely different world than it was last year but I think in a way Cody it is going to be a completely different world for somebody like Uazurike now going up against the offense the coaching the the new players in there I'm sure he's going to have matchups against Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey things like that so you're going to get opportunities to go up against these guys how are you going to prove that you can hang with these high price free agents, these guys who are high draft picks, these guys who are big time players on this team who are expected to play a huge role in the resurgence on the other side of the ball. You getting the opportunity to go up against those guys in practice is going to put your, you know, that's going to put that metal through the fire, right? That's going to be the exact kind of testing and pruning that he needs as a young player to really go through a gauntlet in training camp. So it's going to be who comes out of this, uh, who comes out of this whole, like you mentioned, all those different guys, this competition, it's going to be intense and it's going to be 
every day in practice a focus because people are always watching the offensive line. People are always watching in the trend. You can, it's, it's one of those things that like Sean Payton said in OTAs, you don't really get to get a great look at some of these guys without pads in training camp. Those are the guys that stand out the most. Well, you know, when we're talking about guys in pads, it's like, okay, this guy's been really physical today. He's really pressing the issue at the line of scrimmage. He's really getting a lot of pressure. He got his hand, you know, near the quarterback because you can't touch him actually. But at, those are the things we need to see from Uwazurike is just consistently, all right, you're going up against the best of the best now. You're going up against some really good players on the other side of the ball. If you can hold up against them, we can trust you to be a starter week one against the Raiders. This ain't Nathaniel Hackett's offense they'll be going against in trying to cap. And I think it's a good test as well because, hey, with, with Sean Payton, what he wants to do offensively, how do these defensive guys respond? How do the defensive linemen, especially the young guys, respond to that? And also, it's good, it's a good test and a measure about maybe the progress of the offensive line as well. How are they doing with this new scheme and the physicality that they've embraced and they've invested in so far this offseason? There's so many interesting sides to all of it. We'll have you covered leading up to training camp every step of the way. Broncos country. For all you everydayers out there, here's what you can expect on tomorrow's episode of the show. We're going to talk about special teams, folks. Yes, special teams. Who are three players on the Broncos special team side of the ball? Could be a kicker, could be a punter, could be a long snapper even. Or it could be a player like a gunner, a jammer, a personal protector that we feel like will have a very, very pivotal role this upcoming season. We dive deep into special teams on tomorrow's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.